The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. This is Sarah with Birth Circle, and today I have the pleasure of having Sheridan Ripley with me. And Sheridan is, oh, such a fun person. I'm so excited to introduce you to Sheridan. So Sheridan is a lifelong learner. She used to go to the public library and read pregnancy books and birth books in high school. So she has taught hypnobirthing, uh, hypno, sorry, hypnobabies, and has been a childbirth doula since 2006. And she's written three books on pregnancy and childbirth. The top three tips to enjoy birth, the gift of giving life, and joyful pregnancy and birth, how to harness the power of hypnosis. As her three boys grew from babies uh, to men, she started supporting women in additional mothering adventures. And she now supports women through all stages of motherhood, from pregnancy and sending your kids off to college, and then having them come home again. (laughs) You're going to talk about that, right? (laughs) She offers the support through online classes and one-on-one coaching uh, with emotional clearing. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Sarah. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Okay. So first, uh, we got this, you got the bug in high school, the birthing bug? Oh yeah. Actually, (laughs) I think younger than that, I loved pregnancy and birth even when I was a little girl, but actually I would go to, I would ditch high school and go to the library and read those books. So I was like sloughing school and doing that for Uh, fun. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I don't judge too much. My sister loved babies, babysitting. She loved anything she could do with babies. So, you know, it starts young, right? That's right. (laughs) Me, I had my first and I was like, what do I do with this? (laughs) Um, So Tell me, uh, like, how how did you, so you, you started in high school, but then you took a hypnobirthing training well, or yes. hypnobabies? What happened is that um, with my first baby, um, I took a Bradley class and ended up having an emergency C-section at uh, 30, 34 weeks after being on wow. bed rest for nine weeks. So I had a whole <sighs> kind of crazy first experience. And so when I got pregnant with my second, I had a lot of nerves and worries and just mm-hmm. like, could I go for term? Would I, could I have a VBAC? All these questions. And my aunt had taken hypnobirthing. So she told me about that. And I took hypnobirthing and I really um, enjoyed the class and it was helpful to a point in my birth. I did end up with a VBAC, which was amazing. Um, And then when I got pregnant for a third time, I wanted to use hypnosis again, but just wanted a few more tools. So that's when I found hypnobabies and had a a really kind of wonderful birth in the hospital, but natural with a doula. And it was really great. And that's what inspired me to become a hypnobabies instructor and a birth doula was kind of all those things all smushed together. Wow. Awesome. Um, So tell us about the first book you wrote. Okay. So the very first book I wrote was the top three tips to enjoy your birth. And this I wrote when I was a birth doula, like just starting out and someone's like, Oh, you should make a blog. I'm like, okay. So I made a blog, enjoybirth.com forward slash blog was my blog and still there. Um, and I wanted a way to kind of 
um, cons- consolidate all of the things that I had learned that I like to teach my doula clients that I liked every birthing mom to know. And that's how I came up with that book. And I wrote it and it's a, what I give away to people that subscribe for my newsletter. Oh, very cool. And then the next book you wrote was a, you had some co-authors, which was the yes. gift of giving life. Yep. So, um, a few years I guess it was like 12 or 13 years ago, Felice Austin is the one that started the gift to give me life. And she was just finding different birth bloggers that resonated with her that saw the spirituality of pregnancy and birth. And we got together. There's five of us, um, Lonnie Oxman, Malia. Oh, she's our, she's not an author, but she's one of our helpers, Heather, um, Robin and Felice and I, and we all wrote different essays. And then we, gathered birth stories from people that submitted their birth stories of different spiritual things that had happened to them during pregnancy and birth. And we collect, not collaborated. What's the word? Um, Curated, collected. Yes. Collected, curated, put it all together and made just a very beautiful book. That's very inspiring and uplifting. And this book's a little different than a regular pregnancy book because it's uh, more geared on the spiritual side. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. It's not like a a how-to book at all, rather, or, you know, on the physical side, though we do delve into that. It more looks at, yeah, the spiritual aspect of birth and pregnancy. And even before you get pregnant, spiritual experiences that helped you know that, you know, another baby was supposed to come to you. And looking at those, I love because it's different people's experiences that we share and then just essays that kind of wrap it all together. Um, but yeah, it definitely has a different viewpoint than any other birth book mm-hmm. or birth or pregnancy book than I've ever read. Cool. And then um, the next book, How to Harness the Power of Hypnosis. Yeah. So that I wrote after many years of being a birth doula and a hypnobabies instructor. And just, you know, I had my blog. I actually had a, quite a few different blogs that I had been gathering birth stories and experiences from women. And I just put them all together into a concise book. So any question that you have, how could hypnosis help me with morning sickness or how could hypnosis help me with, um, you know, a breech baby. And I've just put it all together. Again, it's different women's experiences with some information tied in there. So it's just a nice little compilation of all that information in one place. Very cool. Okay. So you believe that birth trauma um, well, okay, this is not a very smooth segue, but in all of your experience, birth trauma is a thing and you believe that it actually can be cleared. So yes. how do you go? What do you think about that? Well, what got me interested in that was again, my first birth was my first pregnancy and birth with being on bed rest for nine weeks. And then the emergency cesarean, my son and I both had some kind of ling- lingering issues from that. I didn't necessarily tie it back to that until later when he was about nine years old, he suddenly was super angry at everything. And, and I was trying to figure out what was going on. Like, where did all this anger come from? And, um, I was led to this, to a class and someone demonstrated says, Oh, I'll do some emotional clearing. Does anyone want to be a test subject? I like raised my hand so fast. I'm like me, me. And so she did, um, a sample session on me and my son. And I went home from that and he had totally shifted. And I was amazed. I'm like, what is happening? And what she had found was these emotions from his birth experience. 
not just in him, but in me also. And together we were creating this kind of friction that it started probably even yet yeah, during pregnancy, right? So, so why did it why did it not surface until he was nine, do you think? You know, I'm not really sure. I've never thought of that. That's a very good question, Sarah. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. Maybe there was something that kind of triggered. Um, oh, you know what? It could have been, actually. It's like his need to be more independent of me, but I had almost lost him. And so I wouldn't let go. Mm. So I think really it probably was me that was creating that friction, that was creating the anger because of my fears of losing him again. Yeah. Not that I lost him the first time, but you know, like that fear of losing him. Oh yeah, because when you're in that, when you're in that state, especially bed rest, that all that threat. Oh man. So how come he had to come at 34 weeks? Was there medical? Yeah, he. Um, I woke up one morning and noticed he wasn't moving. I did kick counts and like I, so I was really aware of his movements. And when I woke up and noticed he wasn't moving, I called the doctor, and the doctor's like, "Well, okay, come on in." or go to the hospital for a non-stress test. And when I went in, he still hadn't moved at all. And they put me on the monitors and his heartbeat was there, but it was flat. Like it wasn't going up and down at all. It was very flat. And that shows that babies are under stress. And so they had to do a a C-section right then. At 34 weeks. So do they ever find out why he was so stressed? Um, The cord was wrapped around his neck a few times. And so that could have been it, but... There's no definitive answer. Uh, to something was going on pressure-wise. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, um, okay. So his birth was very, his pregnancy and his birth was very traumatic. And, but nine years later, you're sitting in this class and she <laughs> fixed it? Yeah. How do you fix it? All right. So she did. She cleared some of the energy from it. There was still some there. And so it got me intrigued to learn more. And what I did is I started taking classes to learn how to do emotional clearing and then started practicing on my friends. And then the word got out and people started coming to me for clearing. And I, I continued to do work on myself and my son. And it's funny because I had a conversation with him. He's 22 now. So I had a conversation with him over Christmas. I'm like, remember when you were so angry when you were like nine or 10? He's like, yeah, that was weird. I'm like, yeah. It's like, I, I don't know what happened there. Like it's totally left him by the time he was like 10. It was like a year process, but um, definitely clearing all of that energy from both me and him created a positive shift for us. Wow. So what was the technique she used? Is it something that could be taught or used by yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't actually remember the technique she used because it was so long ago, but the techniques that I've learned since then, I, I first learned using the emotion code by Dr. Bradley Nelson and then took the body code and then have since taken so many different emotional trainings or emotional clearing trainings. And now I've cried, I've take all those parts together and have actually created my own clearing system that I use that I can also teach to others. But a lot of it is just done with visualization and first being aware that these emotions still exist. That's one of the first steps to That's, clearing. Yeah, I, I'm going to say, if you don't even know that you're hurting, if you don't even know where that stems from, like your son, I mean, did you did you know that the nine-year-old tantruming was stemming from a problem at the birth? No, I had no idea. And then how, what is epigenetics? What is um, multi-generational trauma? Uh, how does that play into it? Oh yeah, that definitely 
can play into it. And I find that a lot with the people that I work with, sometimes even with birth trauma, if, if a mom, like if my mom had a birth trauma, it can, it's just, it kind of is in your DNA. It's like how I see it. It's almost like a blanket over your DNA that can change your DNA or turn things on in your DNA. And so for me, um, someone else, I see a mom who had a birth trauma and then her daughter might have a similar birth trauma. It's just kind of like a blanket that lays over you. Well, yeah, I I mean, even we've heard about the potato famine, I guess, in in Ireland and the babies that were born in that generation were more insulin resistant because they're born under that stress. So even with just the biological of the mothers being under starvation while they're pregnant, the baby's bodies, it turns on the gene for more insulin resistance um, because the babies know that they're being born into famine and so their body needs to prepare for it. So that's biological. Like that's that's correct. Simple. simple. It would make sense then that it would be an emotional thing too, that you're, mm-hmm. right? If your mom, right. I don't know how much proof there is out there, but it just seems like it would make sense, right? Right, Yeah. It's just, a, it's something that can happen. It doesn't happen to everybody, but for some people, it definitely, we take on the burdens that our parents have or our ancestors even further back in time. Yeah. Kind of hard to tell what's ancestral and what's me, my own crazy, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yes, for sure. Awesome. So um, how does this work? Do How does this work for your clients, how, how would you recommend somebody go about first isolating that trauma, but lead us through the whole step of kind of this discovery process. Okay. So, um, well, one thing I have is if a mom has had a negative birth experience, I actually have a free class that they can take where I walk them through some simple tools to help clear that from themselves. And, um, I'll, I'll share a link where they can get that on my website. Um, but Basically, first is being aware that something's up. So a lot of times people come to me, I have midwives that refer their clients to me if they are um, struggling with an upcoming birth. And so then I work with them. So first, it's just being aware there is an issue. And then they call me. I do all my phone sessions on the phone. So they call me up and they can just tell me kind of what's going on. The great thing about what um, I do is you don't have to relive it at all. People can just say, I had a traumatic birth. My baby's now five. And I can kind of, even just with that, I can feel the energy around it and start figuring out what needs to be cleared. Some people, part of the healing is actually talking about it. And so I'm, sometimes it's just good to have a listener that can listen without judgment. And so that's one thing that sometimes I do. It's everybody's different. Some people don't want to talk and that's totally fine. Some people need to talk and that's totally fine too. Either way, I'm able to sense and find those emotions um, or patterns of thought that have been created from that experience. And then once I like write it all down and then release it with like a visualization. And then usually I also have some kind of homework assignment for them where they work on affirmations or where they work on creating new patterns of thought. But I find that if... If you just try and change the patterns of thought without clearing the emotion or the trauma from it, it's really challenging Mm. because those emotions keep those. uh, So for example, if somebody just keeps thinking, 
um, I want to use something kind of neutral to talk about. So to not <laughs> plant things in other in people's minds, right? But like, let's say I ate lunch at this restaurant that was supposed to be amazing and it was horrible. And if I just keep thinking that lunch was so horrible, I can't believe I paid that much money for it. And then I want to change my thoughts about it. Like, okay, maybe it was okay, but I still have so much feeling about it, which of course it's silly. A lunch is not going to do that. But birth obviously is going to be a lot more emotions attached right. to no, it. It's good. But so then if I just tried to change my thoughts, those emotions would keep them sticky. But if I can find the emotions behind it, like disappointment, um, I don't know, embarrassment, maybe I brought somebody yeah. to that restaurant and said it was so mm -hmm. good, right? If I clear those emotions from it, then I can get to more neutral thoughts about that lunch. I can be like, oh, that lunch wasn't as good as I had hoped it to be. And that is a completely different energy than my first thought. And it just feels so much lighter. So I, it's somewhat similar with birth that if a mom has had a negative birth experience, or even I work with midwives and doulas that have, you know, attended a birth that didn't go as hoped. Sometimes they've come to me because there's so much emotion around it. They, they need to go out and either a mom needs to go have another birth or a doula needs to go attend another birth. And there's so much emotion that's tied into these negative thoughts that it's hard to move past it. That's an excellent point. So many women, they have a, a traumatic birth and then they're pregnant again. And then they're just so traumatized because they don't want to repeat that. And that's, it's really hard to break that cycle. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's a good point. I love your example about the lunch. I'm thinking actually about how that applies just in life in general. Like if you, somebody cuts you off, and the, I tend to feel overly betrayed. That's, that's my favorite go-to offen offensive emotion is I feel like uh, that somebody's out to get me when it's really not about them. It's not about, right. it's not about, <laughs> yep. yeah. So going to the back, like, why do I always feel, well, it's because I, I connect with people and I feel like if, if we're not friends, I feel anyway. Yeah. But that mm -hmm. has nothing to do with birth and that's still hard sometimes to work through is yeah, somebody cuts sure. you off in traffic. <laughs> so yeah. And that's one reason. Bigger. Yeah. Birth is so big. Um, but birth, then, birth is the biggest. Is there anything bigger? I mean, I maybe mean, if your mother-in-law ruins your wedding, that hurts, but is right. anything worse? I don't know because birth, you are so vulnerable and the, emo um, your hormones are flooding through your body. There's mm -hmm. so much in it. That birth is huge, both for you and the baby and everybody in the room too. It's yeah. not just you or the baby. Well, birth, birth, part, sorry, birth partner and birth team trauma is a real thing. Yeah, that's true. And you mentioned that, that you have um, birth workers come mm -hmm. see you sometimes and they're trying to work through the, what they've seen what or they've experienced. Seen. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And trauma is always in the eye of the beholder, right? Yes. Yes. There could be, I remember I attended a birth that for me as a doula was very traumatic, but the mom loved it. She's like, yeah, <laughs> best birth ever. And I'm like, okay. But I went and I <laughs> talked to my life coach and her emotional clearer. Right. And she was like, oh, we talked through it. And I realized it had triggered something in me from my, me birthing Devin. That I was like, mm. oh, that's why that was so hard for me. It really, mm. it was great for her. But for me, there was this one little thing that triggered something in me that brought me back into my trauma. 
Yeah. And that's actually um, a point. I, I, one of my friends has a midwifery school and she says, sometimes the most broken people become midwives because they see the pain and they want to be a force for good and and preventing that pain. But unless they can work through their own stuff first, unless they can clear, they bring their own birth trauma into every birth space they go into. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's very good to be aware so that you don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have, uh, like, could you demonstrate this process with us? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a topic that you'd want me to, to do. It doesn't have to be birth related or could be. Oh, you're going to fix me here on air. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. (laughs) If you, if you want, I don't, it's up to you. Oh my goodness. Let me think. Um, Hmm. Well, I mean, make it, you're going to make it kind of everybody listening can go, go through the exercise with me. Right. Um, I could try to do that. Sure. Okay. <laughs> like, hmm. I feel a little bit exposed right now. Well, I mentioned the betrayal thing. Um, okay. I, I tend to, um, I love people. I can't always read them very well. And so sometimes if they're having a bad day, I read it that they no longer want our friendship and they want to poo-poo on our friendship and I am not worth anything to them anymore. And it's so stupid because my my logical brain goes, no, everybody has a bad day. You know that. Knock it off. But then my heart says, you know, well, but maybe, maybe they won't want to be friends anymore. <laughs> it's really lame. <laughs> okay. No, I think that's, that's a great example. Okay. So basically when I start a session first, I just ask, I mean, because you're telling me, but you know, so are you okay with me working on you right now, Sarah? Is that okay with you? Always asking permission of the person, right? Yes, <laughs> always. I would never, I can't even actually do it, but it's just nice to get their approval. Like, yes, always. Please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then I just kind of tap into the energy of what you were talking about. And I think I've been doing this for 10 or 15 years. I don't even know. About 12 or 13 years, I guess, if I do it. But anyway, so I can just kind of see things. So like when you were talking what I saw was just kind of this energy of, well, what you first said was betrayal, but there's also this underlying emotion of confusion and uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And that makes you um, defensive to, because you want to protect yourself. You want to protect your heart. Okay, so I'm just writing this down because that helps me to kind of then when we go to clear it to to remember what we found. Um, and what I'm going to call this is actually, I, I call it kind of like a spin. You're spinning in these emotions when somebody um, is having a bad day and reacts to you a certain way. You start spinning in these emotions and mm-hmm. some thoughts come into your mind too. Like they don't want to be my friend. Um, I'm not worth while to them, like I'm not worthy for their friendship. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, and on the other hand, then you go straight to, well, they're not worthy of my friendship. You know, it just becomes this little fight in your head. Yeah. And I, and I can see it for what it is. Cause I'm a, you know, an introspective person and I'm like, knock it off. It's like two teenagers fighting in my head. No middle schoolers, middle schoolers. Right. <laughs> okay. Fighting awesome. in my head. And right. they're both me. And I'm like, <laughs> stop. Yes. Perfect. Okay. So we found the energy behind it. And then what we do to clear it is 
basically, I just, I'm going to just say, take a nice deep breath. And then we're going to release from every cell of your body, your heart, your mind, your soul, your patterns in your brain that you've formed, releasing this betrayal, confusion, and uncertainty cycle, releasing it from every cell of your body, your heart, your mind, your soul, and just clearing all that energy around out. And giving and- my body permission to do that. Oh, yeah. Right? Because sometimes it's like I had a hip pain the other day and I was pretty sure that thing was emotional. And I was like, I don't remember stuffing something in my butt, but there was something in my butt. (laughs) Totally. And sometimes I do have to find where it is. Sometimes Mm. it's in a specific place in the body. So I would be like, oh yeah, it's in your hip. You know, I don't know. I didn't do that this time because it's fast, but yeah, absolutely. There's, um, I just was talking to my friend today. This is totally related because she, I was her doula three times um, and she's, trying to buy a house and there's all these blocks getting put in the way. And she's like, I'm in the bath because I'm having like a lot of um, ovulation pain. And I'm like, um, I think this is really about the house you're trying to buy. She's like, oh yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> because it's huh. like, she's trying to burr the house almost. Anyway, it was just, oh my gosh, that makes sense. Well, I was right? telling my friend, a friend, I was like, my butt hurts. And I'm pretty sure it's emotional, like my right hip. And she goes, oh, us women, we put everything in our hips. Like that's where we hold our, that's her, where we hold our center, you know, as women. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so if we put emotions like baggage in our hips and, and I was like, well, then. <laughs> You're like, okay, then. So, okay. So we're, we're clearing this. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I even maybe will have somebody visualize it, like giving it to like putting in the garbage or giving it to God if they, oh, okay. God, you know, so it's like, I just kind of. Cause it is a thing. Right. So if you treat it like a thing and you can move the thing, then it mm-hmm. like helps your body work through it. Right. Totally. You're just, what you're doing is you're acknowledging it. You're like, okay, I see you betrayal, confusion, uncertainty. When people treat me this way, I see you, I see those emotion, emotions swirling around. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to let you go. And you just kind of let it go. So then I just always have, oh wait, I see this. So I write things down. So also clearing out that, and this is like a pattern in your brain. So we'll come up with a positive um, reframing for you, but um, you go to defensiveness because you want to protect yourself. So let's clear that. Like, it's almost like I see a switch in your brain that when you get treated that way and you start spinning in that, a switch turns on, like, I better defend myself. It's mm, not safe. So right, right. Yeah. So let's just like get rid of that light switch. Let's just remove it from your brain so that if this happens again, that doesn't get turned on because there's just not even that switch anymore. So take a deep breath. And I yawn a lot when I do this. I don't know why. It's just like clearing of that energy. Uh Mm -hmm. Good. And then what I like to do, this would be like your homework assignment, is to come up with the uh, alternate thought pattern. Because we do have these patterns that we develop over time. So maybe you've been doing this for 10 years. I don't know, right? That mm-hmm. it's, so to reprogram yourself for a new program will take time. This is why I don't just do emotional clearing, but I also do life coaching because I feel like the two together are super mm-hmm. powerful. Yeah. Um, well, and also there's so many aspects like this betrayal thing with friendship. This could have very well played into why my births were 
traumatic because mm. like say the midwife was in the room with me, this was a hospital, but she needed to check on another client or patient yes. and she left and that would tap into my betrayal fears. And then it would, absolutely, it would, it would make the birth kind of spiral out because I'm just more open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's harder to control your thoughts during birth, mm-hmm. right? We kind of have no, I don't want to say no control, but we're doing something uh, else, right? It's harder to censor them. It's harder. Yeah, yeah. You're. I just feel like it's a beautiful. Um, it's a beautiful opening. The opportunity for your body to clear and learn and bond and just all these. It's like a shift. You. Yeah. You make the shift when you yourself are born, and mm-hmm. you have to learn how to breathe oxygen. Mm-hmm. And then when you become a mother, it's a complete shift again. And yeah. so your whole body's like open up. your body and mind and spirit. It's just like woo. So, okay. So let's put in a new pattern that you can, and you might even practice it. Um, but where if somebody is having a bad day and maybe they're like, can you give me an example of like how they act that makes you nor in the past would make you. Oh yeah. In the past, um, they would give very short, uh, remark responses. Yeah. Cause I like, this is probably why I like podcasting so much in my session, my episodes are an hour long. I love the connection and I love to know everything about that person. And I want to feel their emotion and I want to see them go through the whole gamut of what they're trying to explain. And if they give me really short answers, I always go to like, oh, they must not like me, which is again, (laughs) so dumb. Right. No, I know logically, you know, it doesn't make sense, but yeah, the, Mm -hmm. that triggers something in you. So, okay. So the next time somebody gives you a short answer, let's, what would be a good thing to think or a new positive belief to reframe it. Like, like even just that's about them, not yeah. about me. Well, actually I was thinking a good reframe for me would be just being grateful that they are there with me. Like yeah. just not worrying about it. Just like, I'm a very busy person. So they didn't give me a long answer. That's great. Now I don't have to d- <laughs> devote emotional energy to that. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So like just going to, oh, I'm just glad they're here with me. I'm so glad they're there with me. I'm yes. So Okay. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So what I, if you were my client, I would text this to you. Like at the end, I kind of text you. I, I'd never worry about the negative stuff we release. I don't, cause that's gone, but I would text you. Okay. Next time this happens, remember, this is your thought. I'm so glad they're here with me. Uh, and then you maybe even just practice like imagining that happening and practice saying that to yourself. So, so this is a pattern that just can be repeated over and over and over again, right? Because there's always, mm-hmm. there's always so many layers to emotions that even if you clear this one layer, yeah, there's going to be, it's like an onion. For sure. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So many layers and yeah. And um, what you do is help facilitate the process to help keep the person uh, safe and hold space for that energy movement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's I'm definitely a safe place where they can come and share what they feel comfortable sharing, and then just help them have clarity when they want it about what's going on. Sometimes people don't want the clarity; they just want it cleared. That's okay too. We can just say, Mm -hmm. "Oh, there's some junk. Let's clear it, and now let's focus on the positives you want to have." Yeah. So it's just kind of, but in the end, that's kind of the thing. Let's be aware, let's clear it. And what's the new thing you want to have? So if you have this, if you're trying to work on something trauma and you're trying to to clear something, what are some of the things you can look for in a provider? Because of course you can't serve all of the 3 million women that are giving birth (laughs) in the United States this year. Um, What are some of the things you could look for in a counselor or therapist or friend really that would help them, um, help you find the person that would help best walk you through these? 
Right. Because it is, that's, it is that's so a great question. helpful to have someone help you. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is to find somebody that can listen to you without judgment and putting aside their own experiences and thoughts, which is that's sort of hard. hard right? It is hard because we all have this certain paradigm in our head about how things should go. And so if you come in yes. there with a wildly different one, mm-hmm. it's it hard for that person to... So that's why another great thing is maybe to journal first, to oh. journal out what, what your story is. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, I have a great example of this. Um, and I'm, Andrea's let me share it before, you know, Andrea, she's awesome. And I've shared this before on one of my other things, but she, um, was having a home birth and she was sure it was going to be a girl and the baby came out and her husband looked and he's like, it's a boy like kind of sassy like that because he thought it was going to be a boy. And so a few days after she had the baby, she called me. She's like, I'm still not bonding to this baby. What's going on? And we kind of um, figured out what was going on. And so I had her journal, you know, what happened. She tore it up and then she wrote the story she wanted to have. Mm. And so she wrote out the story. Um, the baby was born. Nobody looked to see the sex. I just felt the baby against me and just was loving the baby, looking at the baby, loving the baby. And then I find out, I kind of laugh like, Oh, it's a boy, (laughs) you know? And so, okay. And then, so that was the way she was able to do that work for herself in a very deep way. And she's not like trying to erase the memory and replace it. No, she's just, she's, reframing it. And what it let her do was kind of let go of her anger towards her husband about it or not anger, but you know, disappointment. Yeah. Like Like, knock it off little stinker. Right. And Mm -hmm. it kind of took her out of that moment of my baby's just out. And then suddenly wait, somebody takes the stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And so it allowed her to process that by writing it out. This is this, this is my story I had this happening. And now what's the story I wish I had? And she wrote it out. And then she called me up and she read it to me. And I was like, Oh, I like that. And so that might be a way that someone could do it on their own or even do it and then share it with somebody once they've sort of processed it. So it's not so intense. Yeah. Very cool. Journaling. It's great. And I think just finding a care provider or someone that can, that's willing to listen to you. Have have you ever heard of somebody wanting to have another birth simply to have a better memory? Like they feel like, well, that birth was a mess up. It's like the first pancake thing, you know, well, I'll just throw that birth away and I'll try again. What do you say to that type of thinking? Um, well, I think that if you want another baby, that's fine. Go ahead and do it. But if you're doing it just to replace it, I think you definitely need to clear your emotions from that birth, first Mm -hmm. birth or that previous birth so that you can go into the next birth with like a clean slate almost, allowing you to have something, a different experience. Exactly. But the fact that women are willing to have babies, because I know this sounds crazy, but I do know women that have like had more children because that birth experience. Right. And it's like, if you're willing to have more children. Yeah. Yes. To to fix a memory. Yes. And I big. Yeah. And I have actually, I've done work for women that, um, yeah, that like, I guess you want to say like, want to have another baby, but they don't. And like, kind of like clearing, like kind of a similar situation, right. Where it's like, yeah, I want to like, just fix that. Or one person's like, I really felt like I was supposed to have a boy, but I had a girl, but we just can't have any, you know, they just weren't in a position to have another baby. So I've done 
work for them clearing those emotions so that they can feel at peace, not having another baby, Mm -hmm. satisfied with what they have. Mm -hmm. So that definitely, yeah, there's just a lot we can clear that can help us move forward with openness to what is there already and to creating something new. So now you've moved on to helping parents. Um, Your tagline is, what was your tagline? Say it again. Do you remember? It was... Um, Oh my goodness. Of course, off the top of my head, but like helping moms enjoy life, even when people in their family are making dumb choices. Yes, that. So, so you have helped women walk through their birth experiences, but now you are focusing on the mothering experience, right? And how to deal with, (laughs) I mean, we're not going to point our fingers to the teenagers, but we're talking about the teenagers, right? (laughs) A little bit. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. What I found is I love doing working with pregnant moms and I still do. It's one of my like soft spots. Um, but I also now am helping just women enjoy mothering mm-hmm. and all of that from pregnancy to kids leaving home to them coming back home, which is always exciting too. Um, and just walking through the emotions and the thoughts contained in that and that's, I kind of do it all now, I guess, all the stages. <laughs> so how do you have a woman? I mean, especially if, gosh, if you have been festering in this trauma, I mean, your son was nine, but what mm-hmm. if he's 19? Like, how yeah. do you make shifts in your family culture and in your mindset when your kids are getting older and patterns have kind of been set? Mm-hmm. It's it's still totally possible. It. It's a little different when they're like 19, 20, leaving home. In some ways, it's easier. Once they move out, it's kind of glorious and (laughs) um, easier to shift that relationship. But it's it's about, again, clearing off that baggage that maybe has held you in that pattern with your child for years and years and years. Now, as you clear it, then you're able to see something new, new possibilities of interaction. And it takes work on your part and, and sometimes the kids too, but often I just work on the moms and that's enough to shift both of them. That's a good point. That's a good point because uh, mamas have the ability to shift that because your son didn't do any of that work. No, Mm -mm. no, but his, he shifted his. Yes. Yep. So I know sometimes, um, partners have trauma related to the birth as well. And it's harder to get to them for their clearing because they're seen as, well, you're not the one that had the baby or like, what are you complaining about? At least you have a healthy partner and baby. And so what is your deal? And so how can somebody who is going through this emotional clearing for themselves, they're the ones that had the birth. How could they like open up that healing to their partner and they can go through this healing journey together? That's a great question. I think first off, just talking to your birth partner about it and being open to hearing their experience. Maybe a mom had a great experience, but the birth partner didn't like that might be a hard conversation to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and being willing to hear their story, even with a baby. So this is what <clears throat> similar, but different, but so if a baby is really uh angry after a birth or not angry, but a lot of emotion in them. Yeah. Right. I'll say, okay, listen to the story your baby's telling you. Like, just listen. What are they trying to tell you? That's true. 
And and so you I can had this- one baby that was especially irritated with the birth yeah. process. <laughs> yes. Especially, and the midwife's like, I don't usually have babies cry this much. And she looked her over and like examined her. She's like, I can find nothing wrong. I just think she's mad. And we yeah. kind of laughed it off. But what you're yeah. saying is, I should have taken space out, time out, and just like yeah, talked to the baby. To totally. <laughs> and just said, mad. oh, why are you so mad about this birth? What's going on with you? And just kind of let them get it out. And so if if a mom can give that space to her birth partner and say, how are you feeling about the birth? And if a mom's in trauma, she maybe can't do that, right? right. She needs to heal first. Or if they both have healings, like I've I've done work on couples together before because certainly they've experienced sometimes something similar. Um, but if a mom can listen and just say, tell me your story, what did you see? What did you feel? And acknowledging sometimes all we need is someone to acknowledge us. Yeah. What we experienced and that in and of itself is healing. And I think that's where it's tricky when a mom has had what looks like a good birth because she's okay and her baby's okay, but she's not okay. And nobody hears her. Mm-hmm. It, it adds to that trauma. So just being open to listening is healing. So again, yeah. yeah, if you listen to the birth partner and hear what he has to say or she has to say, that is powerful. Yeah. Very cool. So uh, you are launching a podcast. I love it that you were like one of the early um, bloggers yes. and now you're going to podcast. So tell us about your new podcast. Okay. So my new podcast is called Finding Joy in the Journey. And in it, I just each week share a different tool that people can use to it, it just depends. It could be something to help shift their emotions to from a lower emotional vibration to a higher vibration, or if they need to forgive somebody, I'm, I have one on forgiveness. It's just a tool in each podcast that can help you to be happier and to find joy, regardless of the challenges that are going on in your life mm. or in your family's life. So very, very cool. And um, your website. So I have my my birth website, which is still up, is enjoybirth.com. And then my um, Enjoy Life website is SheridanRipley.com. Very cool. Very cool. And they can learn about uh, the courses that you have and your services and yep. drink up that yummy podcast. <laughs> yes. Awesome. That. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank I really you, appreciate Sarah. you being here. And I, and I wish you all the, the best with your new podcast. I'm super excited to subscribe. It's launching this week, right? Yep. And the next week, hopefully. So That's- just search on Apple. You're going to launch on Apple first. Uh-huh. Yep. Just search finding joy in the journey. Finding joy in the journey. Awesome. Yep. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Please visit us at birthcircle.com. Join our Facebook groups or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience. And thank you to LaunchPod Media, who produces these podcasts.